So, it is common for students to come and say that developing uh, joy or developing happiness or uh, gladdening the mind. We've got so many different ways of expressing it. Mm. And we have these various ways of talking about it only in the sense of concept. Mm. But we're looking at it from uh, a point of view of gaining an experience. So we can actually expand the, that list of words. One of them would be to just relax. That's a good one to use. Just uh, uh, relaxed, almost in a way of feeling relief. That uh, we have those kind of feelings throughout the day. Mm. And we don't know it generally. Mm. What we could call, or what Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa calls, is little demana moments, or another way of mm. talk, thinking about it is void mind. And void mm. mind comes quite naturally. Mm. That in fact, you could go so far as to say that little kids are in a pretty good state, cackling with joy, playing with each other, teasing. Uh, curious about things. They're actually very curious. It's amazing how curious the kids get with cell phones. And I like mm. that. See that curiosity, <laughs> okay? But all of this is very healthy stuff. And that the kids don't cry, uh, get frustrated and um, angry very often. Maybe like 80 to 20% up until they're about 7 or 8 years old. And by then, what happens is a combination of body chemistry and school, mm. <laughs> where the school comes in and tells the child, you can no longer have fun with your life. You've got to sit down for, gosh, four, five, eight times, eight hours, and then more homework, 10 hours mm. a day, and do what you're told to do. And very few kids like that. Almost all of them go along to get along, but they don't find any joy anymore in all that they're taught. In mm. fact, it's almost like that the only joy a child will have is when he's around other children, and when he's around adults, they wind up all being sourpusses. <laughs> and so we're taught how to be a sourpuss by our elders, mm. teachers, parents, all of that. Mm. And we gain that kind of a habit so that it begins to shift in mm. the sense that we're about 80% in worry, frustration, anger, uh, negative feelings, and only about 20% of the time in relaxation, joy, happiness, contentment. But everybody has those states. If they didn't, they would probably either be locked up in prison or um, um, short circuit with their health or something like that. And some people you've seen are just driven all the time. They just simply cannot sit down and relax. Mm. Not, a, not a good way to live. Even they, though, are not quite up to the 100%. They're just somewhere mm. over 90% misery. Mm. 
Okay. Now, here's the point about meditation is, is that we need to wake up to both sides of this. Mm-hmm. Because normally we're asleep to both sides. That we, Even when we feel good, we don't even know it. Mm-hmm. And so here we are in meditation and we're in a feel bad and we say, I don't even know how to feel good. Mm-hmm. Dang, you've been feeling good a little bit all day long. You didn't quite forget what you learned how to do when you were a kid. See, I can see it on your face right now. I got it. Okay, that's it. You, you're making my point. Okay, this yeah. is a basic switch from one to the other. Yeah. And that switch is, as we were talking before, the switch of attitude. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> because the old normal attitude that we have is the attitude that helps perpetuate that uh, uh, 80-20, 80 misery, 20 uh, happiness ratio that we've got going. Mm-hmm. is because of the attitude. If we change our attitude, we can switch that back around. And then with some even deeper effort, of a certain kind, we can actually change that so that we're happy almost mm. all the time and are very rarely in a state of misery. Mm. So that it may, you might reflect back and hmm, it's been about five years since I was angry. I remember that last time when I shook my finger and yelled at someone and caught it and stopped doing it, <laughs> you know. Mm. Okay, so this is the kind of way that we begin to understand that we can take control of things. Mm-hmm. And that the first thing that we learn to take control of, basically, is breath. Mm-hmm. We learn, because that's actually the easiest thing to learn to take control of. Not only that, but if we're doing a mindfulness meditation, mindfulness of breathing, but we're actually not controlling the breath, then our, uh, let us say, um, attachment or closeness or um, uh, ability to stay on the breath is Mm -hmm. weak because we're really not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And so it's really easy for the the, um, mind to wander away. The example would be that a guard who is watching a prisoner who is bound up on the other side of the room, if that, if that prisoner is asleep, then the guard will tend to go to sleep too. Mm-hmm. But if that um, prisoner is up and awake, then the guard's got a job to do, and so he's going to be up and awake to do the job. Okay, so... Um, this is basically what we're looking at is is by controlling the breath that's making it active is actually by waking up the breath now we're having to use the part of the mind that would most likely go back into hindrances or go back into sleep Mm. mode now that we're controlling the breath we're actually developing a skill very intricately this is actually not mentioned in the sutras but it certainly fits in with it when it says in the suttas, every in-breath, to note mm-hmm. the in-breath as a long in-breath and mm-hmm. to note the out-breath as a long, deep out-breath, all right? Mm-hmm. At that point of that knowing, that's a point of sati. Mm-hmm. 
is mm-hmm. to look at it and to see it. Okay, so now with a, uh, intentionally a long deep breath in and a long deep breath out, mm-hmm. we're bringing sati up quite often. Mm-hmm. And so it's much easier to keep the mind from wandering away completely. Mm. This is also an aspect of one's right effort. Yeah. That we wake up. Now, one of the things that uh, is good to look at is the fact that waking up or sati may not be just an on-off switch that there is, in fact, degrees of waking up. Mm. The example would be that when you are asleep in the bed and wake up in the morning, when we wake up out of, in, out of sleep, we don't fully quite wake up yet. Mm. That we either hit the alarm snooze button or roll over or I'll get up in a minute kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. And then later, we hit the deck. Mm-hmm. That hitting the deck then is a higher level of alertness, which has maybe the thought time to get up or mm. I'm out of here or mm. whatever like that. But something happens and we wake up even further before we were mm. still only awake enough to know that we were in bed, but we weren't awake enough to get out of bed. Mm. Guess what? We can have that same analogy with dukkha. Mm. We can wake up just enough to dukkha to know that we're still in the dukkha. Mm. And that's what a lot of people think is meditation. Mm. But really, we need to wake up uh, enough to actually get out of it. This is what we refer to as dukkha, dukkha, naroda. Mm. But but, um, many ways that meditation is taught, possibly by accident, simply by not pointing this out. Is, is that if we don't wake up enough, if, if in fact, if we're doing noting, but we're mm. not noting strong enough, mm. if we note something to be dukkha, then we mm. immediately withdraw from it. Mm. It's almost like stepping on attack when we're barefoot, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, we pull our pressure right back off of that foot. But... Um, if we're walking around with shoes on, then we can step on attack and we won't even notice. Mm. All right. So the, uh, now that's not an advertisement for wearing shoes. <laughs> 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 but it's actually an advertisement to uh, begin practicing going uh, both physically and mentally barefoot. Mm-hmm. So that we can really see how things are going on. We begin to get mm-hmm. more sensitive. Mm-hmm. So um, let me give you kind of two examples of, of that. Um, in uh, normal Western style militaries, they always will have an introductory course that was called boot camp. Mm-hmm. And they'll have a whole room full of guys sleeping together in a dormitory in bunks. And before uh, wake time, the drill instructor comes in, banging his baton, making a lot of noise. Get up, you know, hit the deck and all of that. Guess what? Every guy in there, whether he was just barely awakened and enjoying the few moments he had left, or if he was already fully awake or if even was completely asleep, all three types jump 
right out of the sack onto the deck. They become awake when they hear that DI come in. Okay. <laughs> so in that regard, we need a DI for Anapanasati. We need that mm. drill instructor. Wake up. <laughs> I think um, what you just described about um, waking up just enough to know you're in it. I think that's, um, that's something that's been in, in my practice the last sort of like week and a half or something. And I know it's not, um, I know it's not the, the right, like even a, even necessarily a correct thought. Um, and it's not a helpful one, but there's the feeling of like having retreated in my development or kind of, you know, that I've lost something and I won't get it back, you know? I mean, I know that is like exactly not the right <laughs> attitude, but it seems to be sort of permeating my practice at the moment. And um, I'm trying to ignore it, basically. But it's sort of something that's crept in somehow. Um, yeah, the feeling of, uh, of having been once capable of something that I'm no longer as capable of. You know, um, um, and I'm I describing. I didn't know that. That's a normal feeling, and mm. also, um, it often has to do with skill development. And mm. in, in other words, um, well, let me give you this example. It's well known within the Goenka circles that the first day of the retreat, when the students are told, when the mind wanders away from the breath. Never mind, start again, which is that point in Sati, to wake up, yeah. recognize, to go back. And that they begin to do that. Uh, and so the beginning student on the first day will catch the mind running away five or ten times. Mm -hmm. But on day six, now he's catching the mind wandering away 30, 40, or 50 times. Mm -hmm. And now he's really beginning to recognize that monkey mind. He can really, really yeah. see it now. <laughs> But the feeling, though, is if you already have that bit of um, downer or that bit of victim feeling, mm. then that new information is going to be, oh, no, monkey mm. mind. Look how mind the mind is really all mm. over the place. No control at all. Where in fact, no, that was the mind's already new condition. I mean, that was his old condition. That's mm -hmm. how it's always been. But there's a new skill in town. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that new skill in town is I'm waking up often enough that I see it. And guess what? Every time I wake up, there it is. <laughs> mm. And so when you wake up, also begin to wake up to recognize, are you already okay? Mm. Because it's already possible that you can wake up and, hey, I'm good. Good to go. This is nice. So this is an important point about um, learning to control the breathing, because if we can control the breathing, we can begin to control the mind a little bit. And that uh, beginning to control the mind now is what we mean by sati, to wake up. But we're also not going to just wake up and stay mm. in bed. We're going to wake up and get out of bed. In other words, mm. we're going to wake up and change what we're thinking. Mm. 
So even if you wake up and you're already in a good state, we still need to change the thinking into recognizing that we mm-hmm. already feel good or recognizing mm-hmm. how nice it is to come out of the hindrances or out of the uh, sleepy kind of thoughts. Mm-hmm. That in fact, this, this sukha does have the expression of being uh, born of seclusion from mm-hmm. the hindrances. So when we open the mind, when we have that sati, that wake-up moment, we can clean the mind of whatever it was doing so that we can come to the state of satisfaction. The satisfaction born of the seclusion of having just thrown away all our worries. The worries may come back, but we can throw them out again. But that's a way of looking at it. Yeah, it's satisfying to have no problems. Mm-hmm. And I just threw them all out. <laughs> and so we cultivate it like that. This is, and the expression that I've used before is, aha, I see you, Myra. Mm, yeah. That, that's such it. an important one is for us to wake up enough that we can see and then say truly, I do see what was in the mind was not helpful. Mm -hmm. Or I do see what was in the mind was okay. Mm -hmm. But generally it's gonna wind up being unhelpful. Mm -hmm. But by seeing that, you've already changed it. Now what are you seeing? You're seeing that you're <laughs> so our thought process begins to change immediately. We, it's, uh, that's a natural thing. What's going to be the next thought you have, especially if it's going to be intentionally driven. And that intentionally driven part is when we're remembering to wake up, is to wake up into that gladdening the mind. Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't have to be unhappy. I can be happy. Hey, this is good. We literally mm. learn to talk ourselves into feeling good. Mm. And some people will say, wait a minute, I don't like that. The answer to that is, well, you've talked yourself into feeling bad. Mm-hmm. How are you going to get to feeling good again? Mm. One way is to stop teaching yourself to f- and talking to yourself into feeling bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, to, and for good measure, why not you might as well talk to the mind of, and giving yourself good thoughts about feeling good. Mm. If you start feel, having thoughts about feeling good, you begin to feel good. Mm. The thoughts and feelings are totally interconnected. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. That's something that... Because um, I think that early on I... Um, you know, I was de- developing the, the. I think maybe this is common, but I was developing the concentration aspects of my practice, and now in the late latest, like more developed sort of stages, where I feel that the concentration is, is is working really well. You can find the mind sort of slipping into quite dark or negative places. And then, <laughs> and then, because you develop this power of concentration, you just like really in that 
in that feeling and is that a pleasant feeling no um oh, <laughs> but then again okay. <laughs> but then again there's um you know there's sometimes you ex experiencing those feelings you sit with them and they're difficult and then they you can kind of feel them light brightening um uh like I have it, it's quite a visual thing. Like it's like, a, it's like a, in, in my mind, it's like a dark area that then becomes like suffused with a different color light kind of thing. Um, so the negativity in itself isn't always a bad thing. It's, it's more, I was listening to a podcast with Lee Brassington about this, about the jhanas, and he was saying that a common kind of, um, Difficulty. It is. It yeah. is. And yeah. it has a whole lot to do with, gosh, I don't know how much detail of this I want to go into right now. Yeah. First, it has a lot to do with the fact that we in the West are using the word concentration, mm -hmm. where in fact in the Pali, the word is samati, mm -hmm. which means to mm -hmm. gather the factors together. A quick example, frozen orange juice. Do you know what is frozen orange juice? <laughs> frozen concentrated orange juice? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, take I the water it, out of it, they freeze it, they yeah. put it into a package, they ship it frozen, you buy it frozen, mm -hmm. you open the can whether it's mm -hmm. completely frozen and you eat it right then and there, right? Mm -hmm. No, you put the water back in. <laughs> Right? It's not drinkable without the water. Is that right? Maybe some ice cubes, too, huh? <laughs> okay. And with that, now you've got a complete drink. Mm. The concentrated form was useless because it had key ingredients missing. <laughs> mm. Hence, there's a distinction between samati mm. and uh, the English word concentration. Mm that I tend to avoid it. Um, we can use other words to help us understand. Mm. Um, uh, uh, perhaps the word that's best used is sustain. Mm. If we can sustain something, then that means that we're focusing on it or keeping it going mm. over a period of time. Mm. But when we say concentrate on it, mm. then that means that we can go into a deeper kind of concentration on it somehow mm. or another. Mm. And, um, by, and the way that we do that is by removing things so that we can get down to the essence or down to the heart of it. Mm. This is what a lot of people refer to in meditation as going deep. And they are actually trying to develop a concentration. Okay? Mm. Now, whatever they're doing, they do not have all of the jhana factors. This is mm. concentration. They're missing something or another, and we're going to describe mm. that. Okay? But the, these deep states, one mm. student I've had recently saying that his... his um, idea or thought was is that if he goes deep therein lies the bliss you mm. use the example of if you go deep and stay deep 
into whatever the muck is, it will eventually change and then you feel better. Mm. Okay. Well, isn't that natural? I mean, that's just the way the mind gets. It just kind of moves from one thing to another. Mm -hmm. And in fact, by going deep into it, you may have prolonged it both in the sense of the depth of the suffering and the duration of the suffering. Mm -hmm. And the mind might have just moved along without all of your Mm -hmm. effort. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You were actually sitting there making yourself miserable in a way. But you were going deep. Mm Yeah. Sorry to burst your bubble like that, because I've heard other students say, oh, well, when I practice Anapanasati, I don't go deep. And I said, why do you want to go deep? And they said, well, isn't that jhana? And I says, no. Jhana mm-hmm. is waking up. Jhana, in fact, the first jhana has five factors. And one of the ways that the jhanas are structured is that you can only go to the second jhana from the first jhana. And you can only go to the third jhana from the second jhana. And that you can only Mm. go to the fourth Mm. jhana from the third jhana. Even though you Mm. may be able to move through those quickly for one reason or another, which we'll get to eventually, they still are in order. Which means the foundation is the Mm. first jhana. If these students who are trying to go deep don't have all of the jhana factors, then whatever deep means, it's not jhana. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but it is quite a relief when you decide to think of something else. Mm. Okay. Now, that also has the quality of waking up. In mm. the sense that um, even though you were dwelling in it and concentrating on it and keeping it going, etc., like that, you didn't wake up to how painful this is right now. Mm-hmm. You didn't mm-hmm. see whatever you were seeing. You were you were probably experiencing it at a, at a deep level, but not woke up to the fact that this is painful. That you thought that there would be some advantage, mm-hmm. and therefore you were, um, and because of planning on some advantage for being able to do that. This is normal. This is actually the law of karma. If you can sit there and endure it, you'll get something good out of it later. And so this is also when the students begin to look closely at the dukkha and they begin to get all kinds of insights. One of the insights that they do get is it passes. And it doesn't pass because I've been going deeper and deeper and went through a level and now I'm going deeper and I passed it. No, the mind that you're looking at in a deep level was what the Mm -hmm. the content of the mind was what passed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Sort of like it was the movie that we were watching. Never mind what level of the elevator going down the movie was playing on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... um, what we're looking at then is the, another way of saying it is like this. The, te- the Buddha's teaching is really all about Dukkha, Dukkha, Naroda. Mm-hmm. And it can be seen as that quickly. Dukkha, Dukkha, Naroda. Dukkha now, mm-hmm. Dukkha, Naroda right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And yet the way that Westerners, um, according to the law of karma, almost as if you have to endure something a long time before you get the reward. Mm. And so we have to punish ourselves, or like you are sitting in that dukkha saying, oh, I'm going to get something, I'm going to get some reward or relief from it. Mm. And so this is the way that we practice when we're practicing wrongly. But the Buddha does not teach it that way. He, he does not teach it dukkha, look at dukkha, go deep mm. into the dukkha, watch mm. it stir around, watch it change a bit, get mm. some insights into dukkha, dukkha, more dukkha, and some dukkha, and dukkha. And maybe we'll get some dukkha neurota if that just happens to be where the mind wanders off to right then. Mm-hmm. But there's another way, and that is the waking up completely from dukkha to the point of seeing, yeah, that's dukkha, let's get out of here. Mm. Let's change what's in the mind. Let's mm. take the right effort. Mm-hmm. Let's wake up completely and say, I can do this. Mm-hmm. That's now we're changing that attitude because the loser's attitude is if I sit here watching dukkha long enough, it will eventually rot on its own. It'll become exhausted. No, it just the mind wanders away and it'll wander mm. right back into it later. It doesn't exhaust anything. Mm. That if we're going to exhaust something, we're going to exhaust being in the habit mm-hmm. of being in dukkha. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start developing the habit of being in sukha, mm-hmm. which is exactly the natural way that we were when we were children anyway. We trained mm. ourselves into dukkha. Now we're going to train ourselves back into being happy, joyful little kids again. <laughs> and so the wake up, mm. that sati is, has to be strong. It's got to have the right effort to take mm. that deep breath. And by doing so, you can see that we're in the process actually of taking control of the mind. Before we just went deep into whatever the mind was doing, now we're going to actually physically or Mm. whatever level, we're going to actually change the content Mm. of the mind. Mm. And we can change it to what something that we would prefer to think about. Mm. Like this is a good moment. This Mm. the here now that that's part of the reason why we like the breathing as the anchor is because that's something that we can see right here, right now. We cannot Mm. watch last year's breath or next month's breath. This one, right here, right now. Mm. And so by learning to control that breathing, we're also learning to control the mind. They go hand in hand. Mm. With that, then, we begin to, with that attitude of, I can do this. Yes, I can. Aha, I see you, Mara. I do Mm. not have to be driven by that thought or that feeling. I can Mm. take control of it. That's Mm. when we begin to feel really good about our practice. That's when Mm. pity and sukha arrive because they arise on, basically, to fill the void of the hindrances. And, and, uh, and there's sukha. Sukha mm-hmm. is actually the opposite of dukkha. We could say mm-hmm. that the sukha that we develop in Anapanasati is the dukkha naroda that the Buddha is talking about. 
And mm. it's in that state when we can actually reflect and tell ourselves, you know, this is third noble truth. I can, in fact, be free from <laughs> suffering. Right this very minute, I'm free from mm. it. I feel really good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is the kind of new attitude that we have. The mm. attitude of a winner. The attitude that we can really feel good. Mm. We can feel um, a, like the winner. Mm. Um one way of thinking about sukha and pity is, is that they are, in fact, in some respects, the same thing. They all have mm. the following attributes. When you have either pity or sukha, then you feel successful. Mm. The job has been done and the danger is over. The villain has been slain. Mm. Okay, so now we feel safe. We feel secure. Mm. We feel satisfied. Mm. We don't have to slay another villain. We've slain the one that needed slaining, and now he's gone. Okay, <laughs> we're satisfied. It's over. Mm. Okay. Well, guess what was the villain that needed to slay was the hindrances, mm. and we just slayed them. <laughs> Slew them, I think. Is the for your yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, we have those qualities to it, the, the success and the satisfaction. But that satisfaction and security and safety has a different quality with the pity than it does with the sukha because the pity has, let us say, more energy to it. Mm. It has the bigger surprise to it, or it has the elation about it. Mm-hmm. And so the two examples that I've been using recently is the the ball that drops at New Year's Eve. And everybody mm-hmm. is there anticipating four, three, two, one. And then everybody, yay, New Year's Day. Okay. And there that's the that's the pity. That's mm-hmm. the that's the exhalation and the deep breathing. Okay. Um or let us say if someone sees a big event that that's a big surprise for them, they take a really big in-breath, like, <gasps> mm. right? That's what people do. They take an, in, an in-breath when they, they have that. So this is the pity, mm. the big surprise. The, 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 but then that surprise mellows down, and at the uh, ball dropping at New Year's, then everybody starts to sing the song of Auld Lang Syne, and they rock in in um, uh, joy. Mm. Okay, same thing happens when the football team um, makes a play or a touchdown or whatever, and the, half the crowd stands and cheers. Yay, that's their pity. They feel mm. successful. They feel like a winner. They they've scored, right? Whole crowd. <laughs> and then they sit down and <sighs> they <laughs> relax. Okay, both of those are states of pity. Now for the football player is not going to last long or the, the mm. uh, in the stadium the next play and all of a sudden they're back into anticipation again and their pity suka sequence is almost forgotten mm. now okay mm. we're not we're going to mm. develop these as skills because mm. um i feel like i've yeah it, i feel like i've got quite good at developing the pity and um yeah, getting getting to a stage fairly regularly in practice now where it feels like um, I can enter first jhana, or what I th- it feels like it from when the... you have pity <laughs> and 
Ahsoka, you've got the two major elements. Yeah. The third element that's so major is freedom from the hindrances. Mm-hmm. So the next point then is where the breathing comes in, the deep breathing that we've already started doing will mm. now oxygenate the mind and help it be fit for work. I mean, after all, we did get ourselves out of the hindrances. We woke up. Mm. Here we are awake, deep breathing, ready to go. Okay. Mm. What do we do now? This is that level, the last two items on the list of uh, five factors of the first jhana. And that is when we can actually apply the mind to what we want to apply it to mm. in, the th- in the sense of thinking the thoughts that we want to think. Mm. And then we can sustain the mind on the kind of thoughts that we want to think. When we can apply and sustain the mind on the kind of thoughts that we want to keep, that sustaining then is the sustaining of the first jhana, which mm. is also the sustaining of the sukha. Mm. Mm. So the kind of thoughts then that are going to uh, be uh, the thoughts that we want to sustain are the kind of thoughts that are going to keep us in sukha. Mm. Makes mm. perfect sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that means that we're also going to avoid the kind of thoughts that mm-hmm. are going to pull us out of this state of mm-hmm. sukha and pity and pull us back into going deep again, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the kind of state that we can live our lives in. This is, I mean, mm-hmm. this is a really nice place to be. You feel mm-hmm. champion, you feel good. Mm. Uh, you feel successful and secure and happy and you just bop around your day just full of delight or the other option is is here you are a meditator you go deep so you sit over there on the floor in the meditation hall and when you go deep you can go deeper again Mm. there's no end of the depth and so guys will wind up sitting there 14, 16 in a couple of cases I know of they even sit sleeping up, and so they're in the meditation hall literally 24 hours a day with a short poop break and um, <laughs> a bowl walk. But other than that, I don't know of anyone in the West who wants to live their life like that. Everybody would say, wait a minute, if I have a choice between the, four, the first jhana and these higher jhanas, the place to live is in this first jhana because we still got the ability to think. Mm. We're in the higher jhanas because we've gone deep. If, in fact, these are, in fact, higher jhanas, because you have to have that sukha and pity to go mm. into the second jhana. Mm. You can't develop it in the first. You can't carry it into the second. It's just not going to be there at the bottom mm. of that pit that we've dug into. Mm. you got to take it with us. we got to build it. That is, in fact, the sukha and the pity have to build as we go deeper into the jhanas. Mm. The good news is we don't need that. It's just something to, once you have nothing left to do, mm-hmm. then those are nice toys to play with. It's kind of time structuring. It's a nice mm-hmm. abiding. But the real work has to be done in first jhana. Mm-hmm. And that is to learn to make the mind behave itself and do what it's told to do, mm-hmm. which means no more hindrances. Mm. You have to sustain the mind so that it does not go off into 
uh, unwholesome states. Mm-hmm. So the first thing then to tell the student would be uh, in the beginning, without going into the full depth of it, that wholesome states would have to do with the wholesome thoughts that you would want to maintain would be the wholesome thoughts that are associated with what's going on around you right now. Mm-hmm. The here, things you can see, things you can feel, things you can hear. The reality of the moment and the mm-hmm. fact that right now is good. You're not, I mean, there's nobody breaking through your wall trying to get get you. There's no tanks outside, right? Nobody's lobbing in any um, um, uh, tear gas or nothing. So you're pretty safe, right? Mm-hmm. So go ahead and allow yourself to be really, really safe. Mm-hmm. And to be able to maintain that sense of security and safety and satisfaction. Yeah, I think, I think my problem with the first genre has been... So is is the sustaining it? It's been the hardest thing. I can. There's a there's quite a distinct feeling that I associate with entering it, um, which is like on um like in old in old cartoons or or like com- comedy films. There was that thing of someone being on stage, and they're they're not supposed to be there. They're in all these different spotlights. Do you remember this? And like. At some point, all the spotlights come together and find this one person, uh-huh. and they're kind of caught. caught. Um, and it feels a bit like that—a moment in which, like, I hadn't realised how dispersed aspects of my mind were, and they all kind of come together. And it's like a physical sensation. Yes, it is. That it's physical, like, so that physical yeah. sensation is part of the pity. That's yeah, why the guys yeah. who uh, are in the stands and see that football uh, touchdown. Mm-hmm. They stand and cheer. Mm-hmm. It has a physical bodily component to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's energetic yeah. and the and the suit yeah. dimension this. Okay. Yeah. But a lot of students think that that's the pity rather mm. than the manifestation of the pity. Yeah. Right? The actual yeah. pity is the feeling of success. The manifestation mm. of the pity is the body movements, the hair standing on end, the kriyas, mm. the uh cold chills, the Kundalini, all of those kinds of uh, things are the mm. result of uh, that exhilaration of, I can do this. Mm. Wow. It's like, how do you think a guy feels when he finally reaches the top of Everest and he looks around and he knows that he did it? Wow, what a feeling. That's the feeling that we're looking for as a developed feeling. We don't have to climb to the uh, to Mount Everest. Literally, mm-hmm. we can climb to a different Mount Everest mm-hmm. and get to that level of uh, success. Yeah. In that regard, the Buddha called himself a lion. He's a lion. <laughs> felt successful, very mm-hmm. capable of managing his own life and mm-hmm. his own mind. So this is that state that that we're working for, and um, we want to develop it in two ways. Mm. One of the ways to develop it is that we want to be able to develop getting into it easierly and easierly, mm. become to get it to, <laughs> to become easy to get into. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that we yeah. practice that we can just ah uh, just take a breath and just go right into it. Okay. That's the first part, is to um, to master or gain skill 
into the entry of the first jhana would be the more formal way of saying it. Okay, the mastery of the skill of going into first jhana, and then the second mastery or the second skill is to be able to maintain that first jhana. Because if you can go into it easily and sustain it very well, then we've got something useful now. I think that the thing that uh, pops me out of it is quite often ex excitement, you know? <laughs> okay, <laughs> like the feeling... so be on guard to not let that... Yeah. In fact, an excitement and pity can be mm. close together. You can, in fact, take that excitement that you've mm. got and just allow that to be the pity that doesn't keep take you out of the state of satisfaction. Mm. 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 Yeah, that's, that's good advice, yeah, because normally it feels... You know, it feels like almost like performance anxiety or something similar, you know, mm -hmm. like, like to, I don't know, to, ex, ex, to run with your analogy, it's a bit like someone's about to score a goal and he can mm -hmm. hear the crowd cheering and then that puts him off because he's like, oh shit, you know, I can't, <laughs> he, he's like, oh, they're really counting on me to score this goal and then he fluffs it, you know, it's oh, that kind of a, moment. But you can see that's the loser's attitude, oh, they're yeah. all crushing <laughs> me, rather than, hey, they know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See the difference in the attitude, hey, they know where mm. I'm going, mm. so they're cheering me on, rather than, uh-oh, now I'm responsible to them. Mm. Yeah, I've got to I mean, do their job for them. What it feels like a bit like to me is, um, in my practice, that I've I've gone forward quite a bit, and I've I've taken a step back, um, but now is an opportunity to sort of really understand how I got further, you know, and it for to be building it on a more solid foundation. Mm -hmm. But there's a feeling that, yeah, as I was saying at the start, there's a sort of feeling of having regressed. Um, well, just remember one thing from this lecture, if you don't remember anything else, remember yeah. that you can remember how to feel good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And if you can remember how to feel good, by remembering how you feel, how to feel good, you feel good right then. That's the whole memory of it, mm -hmm. just to be able to bring it back up. And you can do that. You, you're a happy kid. <laughs> Allow yourself yeah. to have that happiness again. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's the thought then that will help spring that um, first jhana right into play. Mm -hmm. Just da-da. Yeah, that, I, I know. Okay, yeah. so now the work begins is how can I sustain that? And this mm -hmm. is something that you'll have to figure out for yourself. I can give you various ideas. And I can even uh, spend hours talking to you about what are wholesome thoughts and what are unwholesome thoughts. Mm -hmm. But the important point is wholesome thoughts will keep you in the state and unwholesome thoughts will draw you, uh, will pull you out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's the way to go. So start watching those thoughts. Become the guard. Become, become the guard. Yeah. Become the guard. Guard those thoughts. Become mm -hmm. like the bar bouncer. <laughs> You only let the well-dressed people get in. And if somebody gets in and then starts misbehaving, out he goes. Mm. Mm.
And that's completely different than going deep. Mm. This is not about going deep. This is about staying at the highest possible level. Mm. Mm. Which is basically to come out of that, to not, mm. not, not look at it or inspect it or whatever. I'm, now, when, when people talk about it like that, about noting, I say, yes, note. Note mm. really well that you're in hindrance, and so you can come right out of mm. it, and then you can note no hindrance. Yeah, I've been trying to note, um, is, is that a technique that you'd recommend for this sustaining, um, or leading up to it, is it? Because, um, yeah. I find that helpful. This is a very vague question. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got something out of this talk, Patrick. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Go, go practice like this, and come back, and <laughs> we'll discuss it some more. Cool. All right. Thank you so much, Namurati. All right. Bye bye. Speak to you bye -bye. soon. Bye <laughs> bye.